Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 219 of the Double Density Podcast with your host, Brian and Angelo. Double Density is your home to tech tales and paranormal primers. Now, first things first, Angelo, it is raining even more letters into the contact form as your uh, grand desire and wish continues onwards for yet another week, my friend. I saw a listener letter in the show notes that made me excited when I went to have a look just before we started recording. Yeah, I. Uh, so I'm going to read one to you. Perfect. This one's from Nick. And Nick says, hi, Brian and Angelo. Recently, someone asked GPT-4 how it replaced human jobs. The top 10 on its list. So these are the top 10 jobs that Chad GPT could replace in the future. Are you ready? Okay, good. Let's go. Number 10, appointment scheduler. Yeah, that makes sense. Number nine, social media manager. Yeah. <laughs> we could, well, I'm going to read through them and then we can talk about that. Okay. Number eight, market research analysis. Seven, copyright. Six, translator. Five, bookkeeper. Four, Paralegal, three, proofreader, two, customer service rep, one, data entry clerk. Now, Nick asks, how accurate do you think this list is based on the rapid adoption of this technology? How long do you think it will take before the full impact of this technology will be felt on the world's major economies? Thanks, Nick in Colorado. Angelo, what do you think? I have thoughts. So I, okay, so the more binary stuff, right? So data entry clerk, sure. Appointment scheduler, sure. The rest, though... I have some problems with, right? So things like social media manager, copywriter, translator, um, even a proofreader to a certain degree, right? Because um, all of these chat models are based on machine learning, right? You feed things into the machine as it collects more and more information. And a lot of the times, uh, nuance is left out in these conversations. And we saw this a while back, right? For example, when you're trying to train, um, you know, law enforcement software to not be racist, still racist anyways. I think you're just miffed because some of the careers on there are paths you've followed and my job is not on that list so there your job could absolutely be <laughs> automated <laughs> i don't think so there's some nuance really to well, okay it. so what what job could a computer uh what part of your job could a computer not do look let's not discuss that tonight but i think <laughs> we're going to talk about this i i think the list makes a lot of sense but there, you're okay, right so there, here, it's, it's a model that's being taught language and it's sort of like a, a snake eating its own tail there when you're like putting in things like social media operator and copywriter. Those are things that they themselves are creating the data this thing is reading, right? Perhaps, but I think that like any degree of creativity that is asked for it is not actually real. I think are we at the end of art with this, right? Like with all, you know, for example, like all of the, the stable diffusion stuff, right? Like are we at the end of no. what we know as art? We always worry about new technologies, right? Oh, the Sony Walkman is going to take away music recording forever. It but that, that, that is a framework of consuming art. It's not the art itself, right? This is the first time we sort of have to talk about the replication of art en masse. I think we're a ways away from it taking over from artists, right? Because there's still inherent human creativity there that something like chat GPT doesn't have. And I feel like a lot of people are not understanding what this is. It's not an AI like Jarvis or the Terminator that's a learning thing. It's learning from words, but not learning behavior. Not yet, right? Not but there yet. are behavior models being developed by a number of companies. I think I that's when we're going to have to worry. Yeah, I see five to seven years from now. Really? That soon? Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Well, let's uh, enjoy all we can. Soon they'll be taking <laughs> over podcasts. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast this week where the – and I sent you a clip, I think, of it. You and, did, yes. And so one of the co-hosts made a 
language model of the other co-hosts reading ad copies. And it sounded so much like him. And it was saying things that he would never say. And it was really funny. Well, basically the way it works is you feed the machine like all of the – like for example, like I could take MP3s of us yeah, and do that. Um, it's a lot easier if I have an isolated MP3 file of you, which is the good news I do. Yeah, you have um, tons of that, right? Yeah, and but then I'd have to pay X amount of dollars right now right, to get that done. Too, that's because the, yeah. It's a, yeah. But in this case, right, he had tons of audio for this guy. So it, it made – he would throw it in sometimes and I wasn't sure who was talking. I should we, I should start a GoFundMe just to screw with you. Like I need the hundred dollars or whatever USD to be able to um, throw everything in there and just fake an episode with you. It would be really fun. I feel like I could get into it deep. Let's yeah, start okay, a Patreon so any, for this, Brian. Let us just do that just for the Patreon uh, specifically. I do think that um, you're right. In any of the jobs where there is a little bit of creativity involved, it's a little bit harder to um, get a chat model to to sort of uh, replicate anything new. Right. Well, definitely. It doesn't know what it's doing. It's just doing things that it's seen online, right? Right. And there are things like, for example, like double entendre or like puns or things like that that it has more uh, – that these channels have more trouble with um, in Playground with them, I've noticed. Yeah, and it's really fun too how they just kind of lie sometimes or just make it things up. Yeah, or you could trick them into uh, you know, giving you pirated software if you ask them to – portray a villain and then in the voice of the villain give you software i will say that if um coming up there'll be an episode of uh, our strange skies where we did something with a, a chat model and i'm hoping that people like it because i think what that chat model spit out was great i it think was, so too it was pretty like on the ball for that because it was a small type of thing so i guess it really had no trouble with it yeah, but so in theory, uh, this episode comes out Wednesday the 22nd. I think the episode comes out either March 27th or April 3rd, so uh, be on the lookout for that. We'll definitely post it online somewhere. I'll, I'll put it on my <laughs> Mastodon. <laughs> I was going to say, you're, you're a very fruitful um, Mastodon account that's definitely uh, seeing a lot of views, a lot of visits, a lot of engagement, a lot of activity. Oh, yeah. I have four followers? Five, maybe? I'm so proud of you, Angelo. Yeah. Double density. In one of our first episodes, we talked about faking the moon landing, and now we've come full circle because Samsung is faking moon photos, Angelo. This isn't something that's new. Samsung has been accused of this for years at this point since they introduced this type of, let's say, technologies, like the space zoom thing. They've had it since uh, – I don't. I lose track of Samsung phone names because they're so um, – how do you say this? Dumb. Uh, I think they introduced it in the S20. And that's not to say that Apple's phone names are not dumb because we're approaching, what, the iPhone 15 now? When are they going to give up the the numbers? I don't know. Just uh, I think everyone should give up numbers and let me name things. Well, I mean, Samsung kind of made it a little smarter in that the the S20 came out in 2020 now, right? Like, so they're they're kind of following the years, I guess. So that sort of makes sense. But it doesn't matter. Well, it's kind of funny because we're, we talked about AI before. We're talking about AI now. So basically the way that works is that it upscales photos using AI in order to fill out some of the frames to make them not as blurry. They say that, Brian. But recently a uh, a Reddit user named iBreakPhotos, he basically created a blurry image of the moon on a computer screen, took a picture of that blurry image, and then the camera on the Samsung phone spit out a perfect image of the moon. So there's nothing for it to enhance there. So people are accusing Samsung of basically having 
a JPEG that co- sort of like just corresponds to what it thinks is the moon and just pastes it on <laughs> like there. Like a spatial, a spatial JPEG. Yeah, I don't think that's exactly how it works. Yeah. and we'll 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 put a link to the Verge article that talks about this. It's it's actually kind of interesting. But Samsung, and obviously, they're not going to want to tell people how they do this. But anytime it comes up, they kind of just dance around the issue. Yeah, and obviously, I was being facetious before with AI upscaling because it's clearly just the case of uh, obfuscation. It's a great word that I love to use. I think it was in the article too, if I remember yes. correctly. But um, yeah, there's a lot of of uh, trickery involved when you're using um, these types of phones, and the fact that like Samsung is like sidestepping the issue in all of its public releases um, and um, sort of walking away from giving a concrete explanation of what's going on. Kind of interesting in, in an unfortunate way of dealing with things. They need to create a phone that takes better pictures of the lights in the sky that some people proclaim are ufos it'll just be all little uh, moons everywhere (laughs) (laughs) i think that uh, it'd be interesting if samsung also developed yeah like an you know a quote-unquote like upscaling um algorithm that also lets you enhance ufos right it's just funny how it's only the moon that you can kind of zoom in a hundred times but anything else in the sky won't work street lamps planes uh Uh, rods right we've never done an episode on rods i think it's high time we do an episode do we on have rods, talked you know? about rods we did a whole no, episode but like, about we've rods. dedicated an entire episode to it do the history of rods your favorite um nonsensical paranormal did, topic we talked about it for sure no no but i mean like dedicating an entire history of oh really like so what it's like uh, two years basically somebody <laughs> it was a whole yeah, tlc special yeah. jose jose escamilla this was your life right because he was the main promoter that guy yeah. of, uh, of rods Exactly. It's weird the things that like my brain retains when I should be like, oh, uh, you know, important things about my job. Now forget it. Let's throw that out the window, my friend. Would a Samsung feature that allows you to take really good pictures of UFOs and UAPs get you to switch from an iPhone to a Samsung phone? Oh, good question. Not quite sure. Not quite sure. I mean, like, listen, like, we're just one step away from like uh, UFOs being AR, right? Like, just augmented reality um, visuals, right? I think the Apple goggles will be able to let you capture UFOs <laughs> with them. <laughs> what do you... Okay, so, uh, you know, Apple's working on its own headset. Yeah. What would you call it? Huh. That's a really good question. If you had question. to name it, and you can't call it the, like, the iHead or whatever, obviously a bad name, but, you know, what would you call it, right? Like, <laughs> I, you know... Apple no longer uses the i moniker, right? Like, the iPhone and the... Uh, iMac and things like that. They stopped using that, right? Like everything's gone to Apple Watch, Apple TV. They started naming things Mac Studio, right? Wouldn't it be funny, though, if it was the I-Eyes? <laughs> the two eyes? Yeah. The, or just the two I-Eyes. eyes, right? Just two eyes. Oh, the I-Eyes, yeah. It's like, yeah, and then put a that. W in front of it and you got the Wii. True, which is another um, classic forgotten game or game console uh, not really forgotten, well, not really forgotten. Is it the best it's, selling of all time right no it's in the top three i think the i think one of the handhelds is the highest selling the game boy maybe ps2 is there too uh switch i think recently went into the top five switch is number three. three yeah yeah oh the we dropped down to like six huh oh interesting ps4 sold a hell of a lot of consoles yeah, so it's PS2, the DS, the Switch, the Game Boy slash Game Boy Color, the okay. PlayStation 4, the PlayStation, and the Wii. Speaking of PlayStation, Angelo, I finally got to relive a childhood dream of mine, and I was able to emulate, legally, of course, quote-unquote, uh, PlayStation games recently. Which games have you been playing? 
nothing as of yet. <laughs> um, I downloaded the um, the Siphon Filter games. Also, a game that you can't buy anywhere on a virtual console, Intelligence Cube, which is a Sony game that I love dearly on the PlayStation demo disc that I had, uh, one of them that I had early on. They should put that on uh, PlayStation Plus Premium. I haven't played much of the PlayStation Plus Premium games. Even though I have the Premium subscription, there's so much on uh, PlayStation Plus that I kind of, you know, I end up playing all the other games that are there and I don't look back to the old games. And I really should because there are some gems on the PlayStation, although they look so dated now, which is makes it sort of problematic. They are, yeah, absolutely. Especially in a higher res um, display model, right? Yeah. Do you have any old PlayStation CD-ROMs? Are they called CD-ROMs on the PlayStation hanging around? Well, they're around? called discs. Yeah, they're I played, do at my parents' place in storage. I have a lot of... Like, I have the big box uh, Battle Arena Trushing Den, Wipeout. I have a bunch of the earlier big box, one, big box ones. I have uh, the original Grand Theft Auto hanging around somewhere here. Right, do you have the two-pack with the 1969 yes, or just... exactly. Yeah. I have yeah. the two-pack, yeah. yeah. Let so, us talk about... Angel, like, you should be getting to these PlayStation games before they disappear. Um, much like the video I asked you to watch that I loved. So The Completionist, Gerard The Completionist, one of my favorite YouTube um, channels. Uh, you know, I've been subscribed to him for over 10 years. Recently did a video because there were several Nintendo stores closing down, and he decided that he was going to buy and download every single game. All of them. So I actually watched this today, and my daughter was hanging out over my shoulder watching, and she thought it was really great, too. I, I've always liked the completionist, completionist videos. You, you turned me on to his channel several years ago, and I always think he sort of looks like you, but I, I think any guy with a beard sort of just lo- you all look alike anyway. My me. beard is not nearly as unruly as his these days. My daughter th- thought it was really funny that almost all of his friends have beards. It's true. It's true. But yeah, so Gerard set out to, you know, <laughs> buy all of them, and... The series of decisions he makes or him and his team makes to get everything done is very time intensive and mind boggling. And it's also funny because they've been planning this for a while, right? So they kind of lifted the curtain on um, the fact that they took a bunch of sponsorships in videos in order to get the money. Because this is we're the magnitude of like tens of thousands of dollars here. Uh, I believe the what the final number was like twenty three thousand dollars that they spent. On- yeah, they originally were budgeting for 18, but then discounted how much DLC they would also have to buy. And some of the games... Um, he was pointing out, you actually like have to play the game a bit and hit certain milestones before being allowed to purchase DLC. Well, that elicited the biggest laugh out of me when he talked about his hate for the 3DS and how DLC works. And it's not, and like he said, it's not even third-party games. It's first-party Nintendo games that force you to start playing the game. Well, what are the Mario's? Like he gave us an example, yeah. right? First level. But then the crazy ones are the Fire Emblem games where you have to play through a lot of the game. And those are not small games. No, they're not. So uh, I would highly suggest checking out the video. Um, you and I talk about lost media. You laugh at me for buying things like uh, movies on Blu-ray, but I feel completely fine with that. I will say that you are correct in that it's a good way to make sure you always have ownership of what you want to watch. So, yeah, for, like example, for example, if you wanted to go watch a movie, um, you can't rent all of the movies in the world yeah well exactly and not everything stays on netflix it might be on netflix now it might go away it might be on disney plus now disney might decide to put it in the vault remember when that used to happen (laughs) yeah artificial little panic right i get this preservation of media i don't but the problem is it's convenience though i on so on ps5 i literally have one ps5 disc and it's the one that came with the ps5 that I, i bought 
However, on the Switch, I much prefer physical media. Mostly because it's just as fast, whereas disk drives, I feel, aren't as fast. Although the PS5 doesn't really use the disk drive. Once you put the game in the disk drive, it just copies the whole game to the PS5 and then just runs it off the hard drive. It just reads the disk when you start playing. So it's it's not slow. It's just annoying. So it's... Uh, do you remember... Yeah, coming back to the PlayStation, remember on the bottom it was black? That, yeah. That was kind of interesting. That was, was a, kind of was cool. a youngin'. Yeah, I thought that was kind of, kind of neat. Uh, uh, coming so, back to movies before I forget, I don't remember where I heard this, but like... <sighs> I was watching one of these documentaries about like, uh, you know, uh, VHS. I call it like, you know, VHS... Um, pornography almost because of the fact that like they are so fetishized right the idea of collecting vhs tapes okay you're not talking about porn on vhs no i'm not talking about adult content i'm talking about the way in which some some people fetishize the 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 platform vhs was like awful when you compare it to dvd Uh, uh, earlier dvd not so much like all the all of the you know, still full frame stuff, for example, right? Oh no, that yeah, that that's fine. In terms Angel of Ace. convenience, you have to you have to rewind and yes. be kind and all that stuff. <laughs> okay, so the reason I bring this up though is because of the fact that I read a figure somewhere, I can't remember if it's twenty or twenty five percent, but only twenty to twenty five percent of movies put out on VHS made the jump to DVD digital. That's shocking. Well, I mean there's a lot of smaller distribution um companies, right? A lot of uh, uh, all of porn different productions have made I keep uh, bringing up uh, porn. <laughs> I'd imagine there's a lot of mainstream stuff too that's still getting put out on on Blu-ray for the first time. You see it like especially with boutique Blu-ray stuff, like a lot that they mention this is the first time it's ever available in like a, a post VHS format. Do you have any nostalgia of going to the video store and looking through the VHS tapes? I have memories of seeing the covers of movies, and they're still sort of imprinted in me. And how cool it was to see these movie posters on these little boxes. And a lot of the stuff that stays with me is the horror movies. Yep. Because I remember seeing, for example, like uh, Slumber Party Massacre, right, where he's there with the big drill. That, that, right? Like seeing those things like that reminds me. Just it brings back memories. And every once in a while seeing, seeing them pop up on Netflix or on, on Crave or on Prime or whatever. I see these. Prime has a lot of schlocky old yeah, horror I mean, movies it, on there. Yeah. <laughs> There's double distribution a lot of the time between Prime and Tubi for the free content, I find. Yeah. And it's just funny to see these old movies on there that I remember Actually, going to the video store in the 80s and seeing these things, especially on those – remember those big plastic vinyl boxes that they had for yeah, some absolutely. VHS? I remember absolutely. Supergirl, renting Supergirl on that. So funny you mentioned that. I actually uh, went to the movies yesterday with my wife to go see a movie called I Like Movies. Uh, which is set in 2003, and uh, it's directed by a Canadian Chandler Levac, who does a great job. And so it's all about a 17-year-old who lives in Burlington, Ontario, and who works at a movie store. And it is poignant and gripping. And as someone who had dreams of becoming a filmmaker in my teens uh, during that exact time, it kind of hit me real hard. I would suggest if you could go see it, see it. It's made for you, basically. Essentially, yes, exactly. Because <laughs> you were around the that age The character even mentioned uh, uh, going to see Punch Drunk Love, at the theater, and I remember specifically going to see that on my own um, at, you know, a, a theater at a distance uh, from where I lived. That was the first time people took Adam Sandler seriously, right? The only time, really. Okay. <laughs> the man who made Grown Ups and Pixels and all those things. He was in that movie with Don Cheadle, though, right? Uh, what am I talking about here? Um, the, the 9-11 movie? Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I don't. Okay, hold on a sec. Rain Over Me from 2007. Okay, no, I don't. I don't remember that movie. 
Oh, okay. Well, there you I go. I like Don Cheadle, though. So a man who lost his family in the September 11th attack on New York City runs into his old college roommate. Rekindling the friendship is the one thing that appears able to help the man recover from his grief. And let me tell you, uh, he was not great in that movie. That's too bad. But yeah, Angela, you, I, I definitely remember going to the Videotron, my wife and I talking about that uh, on a fairly regular basis. She lived near a Videotron, and there was a blockbuster also on her stretch of the city. Um, I had options. I had several video stores kind of near me um, at the time, and I, I treasure uh, my time there uh, very, very fondly. Like, for example, like the uh, zombie film, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? The Fulci film had the, the maggot-infested skeleton head cover. Oh, yeah. Okay. I remember seeing that. It never really rented that though i never got into going to i never really had a a membership to blockbuster or videotron because i always went to like mom and pop video stores i remember the first video store we used to go to with the family there was nothing nearby and we'd have to drive there for like a good 10 minutes were there multiple in the area or was there one only that you were going to there was one that we were only going to the one that my dad got the membership for and then we got membership to other ones later on do you remember doing the dance of going to various video stores to find a specific movie? I sure do. Especially with the horror movies. This is the thing I do appreciate about digital is that if I want to watch a movie, I won't have to like reserve it or anything. It'll likely be available if it's mainstream enough. Uh, and recent enough, right? And that, the right yeah, that, with a good holder who just is not holding up for them. Yeah, that's like when we watched The Entity. Did we watch it yeah. for, for Double Density or did we watch it for a different podcast? Did we watch that? We watched it for this one. We watched it because we read the book too. Yeah, and because Rob was there. So I couldn't remember yes. where, where. So yeah, that was impossible to find. And you had, yep. to, find a, a, you had to find a special copy for me to watch. <laughs> yeah, a special features copy. Exactly. Yeah. Um, speaking, of, of lost media, speaking of Lost in, in Rare Media, Angela. So you discovered in, in doing some research that you own some, some rare stuff. I was listening to the podcast about uh, Zelda on the GameCube and they were talking about Wind Waker and mentioned how expensive it is to buy on the GameCube. And I thought, hey, I have that game. Let me go see if I have it. I did. Really good shape, obviously. I, I never like threw my things around. I was the only one using them. And I, was, I wasn't I was a little kid playing with these games. I was, it was in the early 2000s, right? Yeah, 2003 GameCube, something like that. So I, was, I wasn't a little kid. And it turns out Wind Waker is worth like 75 bucks still if you have the box and the instruction manual. And I also have Twilight Princess, which is significantly more rare because that I got on the GameCube. It was like one of the last releases because it was a pack-in game for the Wii, which we've mentioned several times already in this episode. I was going to say looking at pricecharting.com, yeah, you're looking at about 125 USD for that. Yeah, and about 70, 75 bucks for Wind Waker. Yeah, and then if you get graded like an idiot, then it's uh, six hundred bucks. Well, that's dumb. <laughs> Let's not do that. Um, so, Angelo, I, I guess like I'm more firmly in the camp of like loving physical media versus you. Um, oh well, wait. Like, so let me clarify. I understand why you like. It's not something like, oh, I don't get why you spend six hundred dollars on a gold plated cable like some audiophiles. <laughs> like that, I don't get. Yeah, but definitely. This, you copy. You copy this, I, do, I, I do understand why people appreciate physical media. Even like looking back to when I would buy albums, it was nice to just listen to an album over and over again and learn it. And I really like streaming music because I have access to whatever I want. And it costs me significantly less than buying an album once or twice a month. But I do miss 
not having as much choice and just being forced to listen to albums over and over again and really learning to appreciate those albums. Do you know what I mean? Or does that yeah, sound like forward. too nostalgic? Because don't get me wrong, I love having streaming music. It's great. It's wonderful to be able well, to say, I want to hear the song, nature. and I could hear it. We've talked about the ritualistic nature of putting on an album yeah, before, right? Drop which I'm fairly in the camp of. Yeah, well, you still buy vinyl. Very rarely these days, but yes. And that's that's also a, a fetishized medium, I feel. Oh, totally, yeah. People but it's funny because a lot vinyl. of and we've talked about this before, has been produced wholly digitally the entire process, right? So vinyl is just um, not true to its roots, but hey, whatever. Uh, if it floats your boat, then go on, go forward. Speaking of floating your boat, Angelo, let us head on over to the paranormal side of things where we can talk about things that aren't boats at all, actually. Great. So apparently there's a female ghost in this apartment building who thinks I'm attractive. Double density. Welcome back to Double Density. And as always, we're switching gears from tech to the paranormal. So first things first, Angela, you want to make a bit of a game recommendation, kind of letting the tech flow into the paranormal. So go ahead, my friend. I've been playing the game The Quarry on PS5. Recently came out on PlayStation Plus, part of the subscription. It's by Supermassive Games that also made the PS exclusive until dawn with uh basically the, their games that they make are horror games but with real actors in them so you'll recognize the faces in in the quarry there's Brenda Song, uh, Lance Hendrickson, David Arquette, Ted Raimi is in it too. Not so basically you're describing Phantasmagoria. Yeah, there's <laughs> those old disc based games but it's it's significantly better than that but you're Doing a lot more watching than playing. Let's say it's very much, I want to say, in the vein like of like Dragon a choose- No, not that bad. But like a choose-your-own-adventure game where you kind of have different paths you can follow. So I'm playing the game now. I'm, I'm about nine hours in, close to the end. And I've completely, I'll have a completely different experience from maybe what you would have chosen to do in the game. So I can go back and play it. I probably won't. I'm not um, much on like replaying these types of games, but... I may go online and see different things about it, but I highly recommended The Quarry. Really great horror movie game. 80s vibe with uh, modern day... Uh, it's, it's, it takes place in modern days, but the, the music and stuff is very 80s. Very 80s. They're at a camp. They're at a summer camp, Brian. How, how much more 80s can you get than that? What's that PlayStation 3 game with all the different intersecting lives, like Red Rain or something? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, that's Heavy Rain. Heavy Rain, yeah. That's uh, that's a I, David Cage game, and uh, it is. If so, I watched a girlfriend reviews play that game, and it really points out how <laughs> misogynistic it is and hilariously bad. I think we've talked about this before. Jason, but even just the first scene, Jason, 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 yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. We used and, to. My friends and I used to get drunk and play that together. He got a few British actors to play Americans, and they sound really weird. Yeah, it's it's not it's not fun. Speaking of not fun, though, Angela, let's talk about our main topic here tonight. Um, it is a topic that uh, I completely blocked out of my brain for a while, and then you decided to bring this back to me, and well, I will survive. I'd never really heard of this, or if I have, I also have blocked it out of my mind. But Project Bluebeam, when I saw it on Reddit recently pop up, it sounded familiar to me, and then when I read it, it I had no recollection of this really, and I didn't think it. Uh, it was, what it was. I thought somebody had sort of uh, 
mis, mis, uh, misspelled Project Blue Book, but it has nothing to do with that at all, other than maybe some vague sort of uh, thing to do with the government and UFOs, but not really. So let us talk about uh, Project Blue Beam, but we cannot talk about it without talking about, um, you know, the man who brought this to life. And uh, we here at Double Density apologize for the fact that uh, this man was born in Montreal. So a man named Serge Monas, who was ostensibly um, a journalist, a uh, book writer, sort of. et cetera. He uh, was legit um, for a while. and then, Yeah, then kind of. Uh, and like towards the late 80s, early 90s, he kind of uh, fell off the uh, reality train, let's say. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, or we're just blind to it, Brian. Monast claims that he received a leaked document from NASA claiming that NASA and the UN were working together. Angelo, and why? Why were the why were NASA and the UN working together? They wanted to take control of the entire world, Brian. They wanted to, but start not only the that, they order. wanted to control of the entire world in order to um, give power to the Antichrist. <laughs> you have to understand that uh, Monstat is that how you pronounce his name? Monast. Monast. Oh, well, I'm, I have it spelled wrong here. <laughs> That's why. Uh, he, he's a religious guy, but correct. also untrusting of the government. Correct also as correct. well. Yes. He didn't like the direction where people were becoming more secular. So he came up with this whole thing that NASA was trying to mm, sort of have religions lose their importance by creating this whole conspiracy where NASA is making religions and religious people lose their faith by proving that these religions are no longer real or have no basis in anything. How are they going to do this, Brian? He had a four-step plan or Project Bluebeam basically has a a four-step plan. No, according to him, the leaked NASA documents had a four-step plan. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's true. Step one create artificial earthquakes to, that will be triggered around the world to uncover fake ancient artifacts that challenge established religious doctrines. Yeah. Well, I mean... I was waiting well, for you to read number two. Oh, you wanted me to read number two. Okay, well, number two is that a giant space show is going to be projected using using holograms, so they're going to simulate an alien invasion, bringing the world together, running away from those old religions and bringing them together under the banner of this new Antichrist guy. Three, electronic devices will send signals into people's brains to make them think that their God is speaking to them personally. They didn't have this technology back then. They still don't have this technology yet, ex- unless you, you, you work at like a, a, an embassy in Cuba. Then they, they, they <laughs> I was going to say, like, unless you're, you've been Havana syndromed. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what's the fourth one, Brian? A supernatural event is going to occur globally that will make people accept the new world leader as their savior. But hey, this new world leader, the savior, the Antichrist. So he said this was supposed to happen several times, or once in the early 80s. Then they kept pushing the date back to when it yeah, was going to happen. Then the mid-90s twice, and then 2000 and didn't happen there. I mean, 2000 was the year everything was going to happen. Uh, sadly, though... Uh, he was. I don't not... know if I'd use the word sadly. Well, okay. Well, he was not alive uh, to see it happen in 2000 or or see it not happen, basically, because right. so... he, he published his Project Bluebeam book in 94, and then he died in 96 at the relatively young age of 51. He spent the night in jail because of some uh, something to do with his kids. Apparently, uh, there are reports that the government kidnapped his children. Or his child, or his daughter, anyway, from him to uh, basically 
anger him. And then when he got out of jail, he went home and dropped out of a heart attack. Yeah, which a lot of people are claiming that the government caused, right? So him and another fellow uh, journalist uh, who are reporting on this matter both died in a short succession of uh, heart attacks. Can you explain that, though, Brian? Can you explain it? <laughs> I mean, aging fellows, uh, untreated heart conditions, problematic. I would hazard a guess that he was a heavy smoker. Yeah, I mean, there's a, yeah, he definitely looks like the type to be a heavy smoker. And so it's just, it's funny because, like, so many people have then grafted on their own ideas to this. And it's the kind of, like, um, it reminds me of, like, like improv comedy in that, like, there's, like, a yes ending going on. Because people are like, yeah, and harp, right? Harp. Um, some people in the mid to late 90s were throwing in harp as, like, one of the things, right? So, you know, the U.S. is controlling the weather via harp. Harp has been accused of a lot of stuff. Now, Harp was shut down in 2014 by the government, but the University of Alaska Fairbanks has kept control of the equipment, and they let third parties use it for for pay. So, who are these nefarious third parties using it? Maybe creating UAPs. I I mean, sure, why not at this point, right? Also, uh, people have grafted on the concept of 9/11, uh, chemtrails, FEMA concentration camps, and more. All um, kind of interchangeable right it's the yes ending of like listen this is what's going to happen here and so it's the idea of like pointing towards things retroactively and saying yeah see it's all part of the plan well weren't holograms used for 9-11 some people claim <laughs> yes also uh some people have claimed that tupac shakur is also a hologram and uh part and, and no well he is a hologram but he's in on it apparently okay he was not killed no, in the 90s no. okay so angelo you know uh according to when i asked the the new world order and this is kind of <sighs> I don't want to talk about this because it's not fun, but I also want to talk about this because it's so stupid. So, you know, um, all people will be required to take an oath to Lucifer uh, with ritual initiation to enter into the world new world order. Resistors will fall under several categories. One, Christian children will be kept for human sacrifices or as slaves of a um, specific kind of thing that's a legal kind of nature. He was all in on the religious aspect of this conspiracy, though. We'll talk about that in a couple. Uh, so two, prisoners to be used in medical experiments. Three, prisoners to be used in his living organ banks. Four, healthy workers in slave labor camps. Five, uncertain prisoners in the International Reeducation Center. Thence to repent on television and learn to glorify the NWO. And I'm not talking about Hollywood Hogan here. Uh, six, the International Execution Center. And seven, and as yet unknown, seventh classification exists according to a 1994 lecture that Manas gave. He really had a whole thing planned. Maybe he was at the helm. He was the, the one that was going to bring this forward. Best way to hide is in plain sight. <laughs> you think so? No. Uh, All right. So, 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 he, so he writes uh, Project Blue Beam, NASA in 94. And then in 95, he writes a book called Les Protégales de Toronto 666. So, you know, the devil's number also attached to Toronto, which makes me laugh because Toronto is a hellish city. I will not be taking questions at this time. Uh, which is mauled upon the much discredited Protocols of the Elders of Zion. When anybody quotes that or sort of is tangentially related to it, they lose all credibility. So yeah, Angelo, so the, the four-step theory, just to come back to the four-step theory, is very elaborate and stupid, right? So it's just an idea of discrediting um, uh, multiple sources of knowledge, right? All of these different archaeological findings, et cetera, around the world, not just one religion, right? Wouldn't the smarter move to be discredit one religion at a time? Like working your way up, compounding no, you got, results? No, you got to do them all at the same time. That's what the Antichrist wants. That's what the Antichrist is going to get. I guess so. But like, does it really actually work? This is... It's sort of also, isn't it the plot of Left Behind, sort of? 
<laughs> sort of, yeah. So they're all all interconnected. Yeah. Except uh, except well, the the left behind guy was smart enough to just sell it as fiction, even though he probably believes it. It also reminds me of a bit of the Omen Three, right, with Sam Neill, where Sam Neill is actually the Antichrist, and he's also like a, um, you know, a politician. But then he decided to become a paleontologist. Yeah, I mean, total conversion there. Okay, perfect. But it's just it's funny because like it's it's all involving like politics and religion in, a, in an oddly specific way. It's oh, man. So how plausible do you think Project Bluebeam is to you? The fact that NASA is not even an important. Uh, Bra- like they're not they're not really considered a branch of the government right they're just a government agency they're very low on the totem pole in, ter- in terms of importance and how much control they have over anything right they're not the nsa or the cia or even I, the FBI. Say, like, I think if you said the cia and the un are working together firstly like there are too many um beefs going on the other way because the cia definitely does things that in their own self-interest that uh the un doesn't like them doing yeah. right but nasa i mean they're just the space guys. I mean, they were able to fake the moon landing and keep it hidden this whole time until Samsung made us take pictures of the right. moon. Right. Thank you, but, Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. But NASA, of, like of all the government agencies, they're – I almost want to say the most innocent in terms of uh, – Well, I would say like, the IRS, for example, right? Or the yeah, FCC could have, yeah. could have, you know. No, well, the FCC, they hid that whole uh, crashed airplane thing. So no, I wouldn't trust that. <laughs> right. Of course. Of course. I watched the Netflix documentary. I know. One 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 time you watched the uh, not a uh, Netflix documentary. Now you're just a, a knowledgeable expert on the, the case, right? Anybody yeah, who watches the Netflix so many, documentary, there's so many expert. problematic issues with this, right? It's like, like you said, the FBI has jurisdiction within the United States. The UN is a largely inconsequential body. Let's be honest here. It's kind of like a you know, it's a step up from the League of Nations in the mid century, mid twentieth century. Club. But like, it, yeah, like it's it's <laughs> it's literally it's a country resolutions. Club. Don't actually mean much at the end of the day. And to anyone out there who loves the UN, double underscore density Twitter or use the, the contact form on double density.net because I want to hear from you um, and let me know that you actually do think that they have some power or sway in the world um, as it works. Do you have any feeling that anything even remotely similar has ever been thought of by any government of any kind? Well, of course. Okay. I absolutely do believe that, you know, uh, large nations have to sit around, right, and, and think about those things. Like, for example, like, remote viewing was studied officially, right, in the Sadly. United States for a while. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, MK Ultra, for example, right, all these tests on the brain trying to figure out what, what's going on there. Um, so, but so uh, large a scale as to create earthquakes and discredit religions and then prop up a supernatural antichrist to become head of government in the world – and then start sacrificing babies to Satan? Well, okay, so here's there are multiple problems with that, right? Like, oh, one, think? obviously, we, we just, well, let's get into this, right? So firstly, self-interest. Self-interest is a huge um, uh, reason why people do things, right? So the idea here of, like, how do you pick one person to be the Antichrist, really, at the end of the day? Do you well, just, no, like, he picks himself. He's just born with the 666 on his shoulder or whatever. Right, but what I'm saying is that, like, what if there are multiple people, Angelo? What if there's, like, a weird freak accident and multiple children end up with that, right? How do you figure out who the kids are and what they're the supposed to do? Magic so, firstly, line. like, how do you describe and how do you decide upon the Antichrist is, like, a huge issue. Also, like, where will the Antichrist live? What nation will he live in, right? My, also, my question is also, why fake the second coming if you already have the Antichrist? It's like, true. Just say he's from heaven. Just say like, he came down from heaven. And if this is based in religion... Doesn't the book of Revelation say the Antichrist arrives at the same time as the second coming? Exactly. Sort of? And they sort of like have to fight each other like Batman and Superman? 
No, they have to fight each other like uh, like a, at the end of a Godzilla movie, right? Oh, okay. Two kaiju just running at each other. Okay. Um, uh, destroying entire cities. One with red magic, the other one with white. Yeah. Um, so I think in order to uh, you know establish credibility or anything, there has to be a, a certain amount of like trust and belief in these things, right? How do you garner trust and belief in a deity? How do you create you know um, a, a path forward for anyone who wants to do this? Like I'm not quite sure because once again, self interest is uh, largely um, what motivates people. It motivates nations. It motivates political parties inside of nations, right? So for me to get so many people on the same page. It seems like a much more Herculean task than just saying we are going to, um, as NASA, as well as the UN, get together and do this. Like they I, – I, I just don't – I want to believe farcically that they've had meetings about this and they just never came to be. Do you think Monast came up with this on his own or did somebody really mess with him and gave him quote-unquote leaked documents? I think the way he was going, unfortunately, I think um, it could have been either scenario. Either someone got into his head or it's just something that he created himself in his brain, unfortunately. Just to kind of sway people to the word of God in his mind. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, look, he, listen, he was he was like a uh, he felt like the, the, you know, the classic persecuted white man. Yeah. Well, he also thought the United Nations were after Christians, right? Well, the, you know, that's that's not how that works. No. No. Only the um, Romans. It'd be great if it Christians. was, but it's, it's clearly not not the case, right? So no. <laughs> Um, you know, like how do you how do you establish credibility with a religious figure, Angelo? Like through the use of miracles, through the persuasive personality that uh, figure holds. Like you know, it's it's difficult to attain and to maintain. And the idea here of pushing things forward unilaterally does not make sense to me. And whenever there's sort of like a religious conspiracy, it always makes you just think of a Dan Brown book. Oh, for sure. This reads like Dan Brown, just super sad Dan Brown. Yeah. Um, also to consider like uh, the uh, – in order to pull this off, the number of people who would have to be involved is the magnitude of tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands at this point, right? And you and I know that secrets aren't kept. People are inept. Um, you know, uh, uh, this presupposes an efficient model of government, right? When really like if you look at the the landscape in 2023, governments aren't really good at being efficient, at well, this is anywhere. this is yeah. well. This is why conspiracies of this nature, when they're related to government, don't really ever hold any water. Because even when it's a small little group within a government, the conspiracy leaks out like like just gushing water. Just look at Watergate. How many people were involved in that? That leaked within like what a few days. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Also, like, keep in mind that no one ever saw these NASA documents, right? We're we're we're, we're doing this on the say so of of a man who whose brain may have melted when he fixated on the NWO. Yeah, did he invent the NWO? Or no? I mean, the concept's been around for a long time. Really? Right? Okay. I I don't. We we might want to do an episode on the whole history of the Antonio. concept of the the new world order and it's it's yeah because it's true that was mentioned in a speech right by uh, which uh, with by uh, Roosevelt no I, it's been mentioned in a bunch of places yeah, yeah. I so uh, either yeah uh, just around Churchill the world Wilson war. like yeah. some of the earlier United States presidents yeah so okay it's been around a while and he just kind of ran with it and made it anti religious. Yeah, now it's become like this this boogeyman kind of thing, right? Well, I mean, look, you may be right. 
But uh, how, how many years? It's fun kind of reading this stuff from the future because we know none of well, this funny, stuff it, ever it happened. It makes me think of that episode we did about the Jehovah's Witnesses, right? Where they claim the end times are happening in 78, 76, 78 or whatever. They just and then the early 90s. And they just kept bumping the, the goalposts back, right? And here we are in 2023, still alive, still thriving, waiting were, for the uh, New World Order to rear its ugly, stupid... 2020 Uniform must have been really exciting for some Jehovah's Witnesses, though. They thought it was just all going to come crashing down. Rubbing their hands very yeah. excitedly. Yeah. It did not, luckily for us. We can still keep podcasting. Angela, if people are wanting to start um, you know, a doomsday cult or wanting to start a cult centered on the New World Order, how can they contact us to get the word out? There's a form they could fill out on DoubleDensity.net. Makes me happy when you do. You know what else would make me happy is we haven't talked about this in a long time, but... And we haven't received the review in a long time, but how about you go to the uh, the Apple Podcast uh, thingy and review us there? That'd be great. Give us uh, anywhere from one to five stars. Let us know what you think. Five stars. We will settle preferable. for one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. Make a nice little comment. It apparently helps shows get like recognized. I don't know if that would really work, but hey, do it. We'll see. If we can flood the Apple Podcasting app with double density reviews, it would make my day. You just want to wake up and, and see those things? Yeah, definitely. Hey, listen, what are 4.7 on 19 ratings on Apple Podcasts? That's pretty good, Angelo. Hey, it's great. All right. That sounded like Mario, by the way. It's a good. <laughs> I do a better voice than Chris Pratt. People can also head over to doubledensity.net to find out more about us and, uh, you know, find out uh, all of the different platforms you can subscribe to Double Density on. You can find us on Instagram at Double Density Podcast. And then you can also email us at doubledensitypodcast at gmail.com if you feel so inclined. You can find me over on Twitter at Brian Hasty, Brian with an I. And Angelo is on Mastodon. It's a ridiculously long name. So, Angelo, do you have that around? Yeah, it's, it's, it it's, it's Angelo Furin at mastodon.social, I think. At social? I don't know. Something like that. Let me look it up for you. Hold on. Folks, you just threw up. Huh? What? Who threw up? You threw up. <laughs> no, no. It's yeah, it's it's Angelo Fiorentino at Mastodon.social. There you go. Yeah, so if you are looking to start a you know any kind of new cult, let us know. Email. Tweets. Mastodon. What are they called? Mastodon calls? Mastodon messages? I yeah, I don't know. They're what do you like... call a mastodon? I'm sending out a mastodon. Uh, I think they're called toots. I'm really not making that up. They, they think they're called toots. No, sorry, Angelo. Mastodon toot is retired, my friend. Oh, that's too bad. As of November 2022. So they're just called, I'm going to send you a Mastodon. Okay. Just a giant Mastodon. This has been it, my friend, for episode 219 of the Double Density Podcast. And as always, you can tune in every single week until we no longer feel like doing this weekly. We've been on a good roll for the last couple of months. Mm -hmm. It's been exciting. It's been nice. Um, getting a lot of listener feedback has been amazing. So, yeah, keep uh, listener uh, feedbacking that in. us. Yeah, we love that. Um, if you have any ideas for the show, as always, you can also email us. So, yeah, tune in next episode as Angela and I decide to discredit all of our TV favorite TV franchises in order to bring about... Uh, a new kind of Barney-like Antichrist, right? Like, let's a big purple Antichrist. Oh, yeah, okay. I was going to say, not, not Barney Rubble. No, he's inconsequential. Okay. Angelo, okay. I will see you there with a pickaxe in my hand, friend. All right, see you there. Barney looks like it could be dangerous. <laughs> <laughs>